the words of our text in Hebrews 11. Verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was translated uh, that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony uh, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them uh, that diligently seek him. It is not easy, beloved, to stand alone. It is not easy even to stand with what always is a minority. From a natural point of view, uh, that always discourages us, uh, that always makes us waver. It makes us doubt sometimes whether after all we are right. And whether the majority is not right. It makes us doubt whether we are on the right track And whether the way we take in and through the midst of the world is the right way. So many clamor to us uh, that it isn't. So many walk in an entirely different direction from ours, and especially when we almost stand alone, or when the minority is very small. 
we often wonder whether we know at all and whether perhaps we are walking in the wrong direction. And when that one is called to be a leader, a prophet, or a minister of the church, that fear and that wavering is apt to attack him much more forcibly. And yet, beloved, the church in the world, let us never forget it, is always in the minority. It never numbers the majority. The true church especially always is and always has been and always will be very small. Always is in the minority. And if that consideration would motivate or influence the church, she could not really exist. Uh, but, beloved, faith changes that whole matter. Faith. Faith uh, that is an evidence of things not seen. And that is the substance of things hoped for. That faith brings the people of God absolutely in the majority. Nay, I would say, beloved, faith causes the people of God to be always unanimous, no matter what opposition may be directed against them. For by faith we believe that God is And we believe, moreover, by faith, that God is our God. That he is the God of our salvation. 
We believe, moreover, by faith, that God as our God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if God may be counted on our side, beloved, we are not only in the majority, but we are absolutely unanimous. For God controls even the powers of darkness so that they must do his will. That, beloved, and that alone was the faith of Enoch. In that faith he walked. In that faith he stood. In that faith he testified. In that faith he believed that God is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. And by that faith he was rewarded by being translated without seeing death. We speak a moment on this subject, beloved, the subject of our text, Enoch's translation. And we want to consider, first of all, how Enoch walked with God. In the second place, how Enoch walked by faith. And finally, how Enoch by faith was translated. We read, beloved, I don't think in the words of our text, but we read that Enoch walked with God. The text says that Enoch pleased God. He pleased God. For before his translation, he had this testimony uh, that he pleased God. And to interpret that fact, that he pleased God, we must pay attention to the testimony of Scripture uh, that Enoch walked with God. We read about that in Genesis 5, beloved, 21 to 24. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah three hundred years and begot sons and daughters. Notice that. The significant. He did not walk with God 
only a little while in the world, he walked with God 300 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. We must remember, beloved, that this is something special. He walked with God very emphatically. We may say, perhaps, that all the other saints that were before him and that were after him also walked with God. Uh, but although that is undoubtedly true, it is not mentioned emphatically in the scriptures. But Enoch, in a special way, walked with God. And that is undoubtedly the meaning of the text, where the text here says that he pleased God. He pleased God, beloved, uh, by walking with God. The question, therefore, is, uh, what does it mean to walk with God? And the answer is, is undoubtedly, uh, that to walk with God is fundamentally a covenant idea. A covenant conception. And it denotes the covenant of God uh, from a certain particular point of view. Uh, the covenant fellowship with God is denoted in Holy Writ by more than one expression. Uh, thus we read, for instance, uh, that uh, God dwells among his people. He lives with them in a family relationship. Uh, that's also a denotation of the covenant conception from the viewpoint especially of fellowship and friendship. God dwells with his people. The same is true of the expression of scripture that God eats and drinks with us. He sups with his people. That also denotes the covenant conception from the viewpoint of fellowship. But when we read that his people walked with him, walked with him and talked with him, but especially 
as they walk with him, uh, the idea rather refers to our part of the covenant, our part of it. You know, we can speak of our part of the covenant of God. The Bible does so, and we do so. Not our party, there are no parties in the covenant. God, we must remember, beloved, is his own party. We can never be a party, a contracting party in God's covenant. But although we cannot ever become a party in the covenant of God, we have our part in that covenant. And that is beautifully expressed, beloved, in the baptism form. Remember uh, that the baptism form first speaks of God's part in the covenant and that part of God in the covenant is such that he alone is the author and that he alone establishes his covenant. Absolutely without us, thanks be to God, and absolutely unconditionally Thanks be to God again. God the Father, according to that baptism form, establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us, adopts us for his children and heirs, provides us with every good thing, and averts all evil and turns it to our profit. God the Son, incorporates us into the fellowship of his death and resurrection so that we are freed from all our sins and accounted righteous before God. God the Holy Ghost dwells in us and sanctifies us to be members of Christ applying unto us all that we have 
in Christ. Until we shall finally arrive in everlasting perfection among the assembly of the saints in life eternal. That's God's part. That covenant was established with the saints in the old dispensation. That covenant was also established with Enoch. Enoch was received as I said this morning, were received by the triune God to have a part in the covenant life of the triune God. That's what I said this morning. But, beloved, because of that part of God, not next to it, not alongside of it, and not, by all means not, a condition of God's part, but because of that part, through that part of God, through the power of God's establishing his covenant with us, through that power, we become enabled to perform our part. Not our party, but our part. And that part, beloved, is also according to the baptism form and according to all scripture that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. that we put all our trust in him as our covenant God. And that we forsake the world, crucify the flesh, our own nature, and walk in a new and holy life. It is that last part of the covenant of God that denotes Enoch's part in it when it says Enoch walked with God. That Enoch walked with God, beloved, meant that God had established, had realized his covenant with Enoch in Enoch's heart and mind, that he caused his spirit to dwell in Enoch, and that while 
Enoch had been received into God's covenant. Enoch, in the midst of the world, now walked with God, walked according to God's precepts. Oh, he walked in covenant fellowship with God, that too. He walked in communion with God. But because he walked with commun- in communion with God, therefore he walked according to God's precepts. He pleased God in the midst of the world. And that is second, beloved. When we read, they did not pleased God. You must not think that that is a sort of a pious expression. That's very concrete, beloved. Very concrete. It does not mean uh, that Enoch sat in a certain cloister, in a monastery, in a cell, and uh, that he had fellowship with God and dreamt about God and pleased God by praying and so on and so forth and uttering pious words all by himself. Oh, no, no, no. Enoch. That's the idea. And that's very effective. Enoch lived and stood in the midst of the world. In the small minority. As being of the party of the living God. In a world of great wickedness and rebellion against that living God. That was Enoch. We must not forget, beloved, that Enoch was the seventh from Adam. The seventh. In all, there were ten patriarchs before the flood. Enoch was the seventh. You know what that means? That means that the world had developed in wickedness. To great, great extent already. At Enoch's time, at Enoch's age. You know, in those days, as we read in Scripture, uh, the sons of God married the daughters of men and vice versa. They amalgamated, they married, and uh, they corrupted themselves and uh, Gradually the church became smaller and smaller and became fewer and fewer and wickedness abounded. Wickedness abounded. It was in that world, in the midst of that wicked world, uh, that Enoch had not only lived, uh, but that he walked with God. It's easy, beloved. It's easy to walk with God as long as we're here in the church, isn't it? That seems rather easy. There's no opposition here. Uh, But when you get into the world, even into a comparatively pious world, even into a world uh, that is still 
partially religious. And then you walk with God. You walked with, walk with God, beloved, according to the knowledge of God which you have. You walk with God according to the knowledge that God is sovereign. That God only saves, that no one else saves, that man does not save, that God only saves his elect, and that he is the God also of reformation as, ever, as well as election. You confess that God in the midst of a world uh, that is apparently religious, apparently pious. You know what the result will be? I'll tell you. Uh, they will hate you. They will hate you. And they shoot at you. But not because you are the cause of that hatred, but because your testimony, your faithful testimony of the God that you know without camouflaging that God, beloved, your faithful testimony of the God that you know must provoke hatred in the heart of the ungodly cannot be helped. So it was with Enoch. And uh, that that is true as far as Enoch's testimony is concerned is plain from Jude, the epistle of Jude. They read this of Enoch, beloved. In Enoch and to these also Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their works of ungodliness which they have ungodly wrought and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That's Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he pleased God, beloved. He pleased God by walking with him he pleased God by testifying against the ungodly world as well as fighting the good fight against his own flesh and his own own nature and walk in a new and holy life. That's the idea. 
And that's impossible, beloved, without faith. That is impossible without faith. Stands to reason. Without faith we are nothing. No, without faith we are nothing but ungodly men. No matter how civilized, no matter how nice we may be, without faith we are natural men. It's only by faith that we can become manifest as children of God. It is only by faith that we can stand in the midst of the world of darkness and iniquity and testify of the God of our salvation. It is only by faith that this is, that is possible at all because only by faith we feel, beloved, as I have said in my introduction, only by faith we feel that we are in the majority. Only by faith we feel that we have the unanimous vote. By faith. Why by faith? Because the text here says, beloved, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is in a water of them that diligently seek him. When we read here that he that cometh to God must believe that he is that does not mean, beloved, uh, must believe that God exists. Everybody believes that God exists. Even the ungodly, even the atheist, the atheist may say in his heart, like a fool, there is no God, uh, but he can never persuade himself, he can never convince himself that that testimony of his own foolish heart is true. That is impossible for the simple reason, beloved, that God does not leave himself without witness. He does not leave himself without witness in general uh, for 
as we read in Romans 1, verse 20, the invisible things of him are clearly seen from the creation of the world on. Even his eternal power and Godhead that they may be without excuse. There is in all the works of God's hand the clear testimony of God, beloved, which no one can possibly deny in which God says, I am. And I am God. I am existing in my eternal power and in my eternal Godhead. No one can possibly deny it. It would be possible to deny this if it were not for the fact, too, that God impresses that testimony concerning himself in creation upon the conscience of every sinner. He does that too. So that according to the same chapter in Romans, they all know, they all know that God is that's not the idea in the text, beloved. That testimony, subjective as well as objective, the testimony in creation and the testimony of God's general spirit in the consciences of men, does not make men come to God. That's something else. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's something else. He that cometh to God cometh to God only as the revelation of the God of our salvation, beloved. Only then Otherwise, we flee far from him, or deny him, or say in our hearts, he isn't, he isn't. But God has revealed himself, not only in the works of his hands, but in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, he says, not I am God, I'm sovereign, not I'm eternally empowering Godhead, but in Christ Jesus it says to you and to me, according to the scriptures, I forgive all your iniquities. I cleanse you from all your transgressions. I love you, and I loved you from before the foundation of the world. 
come unto me. That is the God of our salvation. And when we read here, he that cometh to God must believe that he is does not mean he that cometh to God must believe that God exists but certainly means beloved must believe that God is the God of our salvation that is our God that is the God of grace the God that forgiveth iniquities and that saves us from all our sins and transgressions and receives us into everlasting glory because only a that God can it be said that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's a nice expression, beloved. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does it mean to seek God? That certainly does mean to seek him philosophically. Certainly doesn't mean, beloved, that we do not know what God is and where God is and that we cannot find him and that now we walk and grope in darkness to find him. Oh, no. To seek him presupposes that first part that God is. That is the God of our salvation. To seek him means that we know that he forgives sins. Otherwise we wouldn't even seek him. We would flee far from him. And therefore, beloved, to seek him and to seek him diligently, of course. What else can we do? What else can we do? We cannot, we cannot seek God lazily. Then we don't seek him at all. He's God. If we seek God, we must seek him diligently. That's all we can do. We must seek him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. It means, beloved, that we seek him uh, in his word and testimony. Let's be concrete. It means that we love his word and testimony. And that we put forth all our efforts to find him in his word and testimony. That we are, wherever it is possible, to be instructed in his word and testimony. That belongs to seeking him. It means too, beloved, that as we have uh, uh, found him in the scriptures, so we come to him in prayer and supplication. We seek him. We seek his face. We want to have fellowship with him. We want, we want to have his testimony in our hearts that he actually is our God and that he forgiveth our iniquities. To seek him also means, beloved, that after we have found his fellowship and that we have uh, received the testimony in our hearts uh, that, we, uh, that he is our God and 
and that he forgives our iniquities, and that he gives us everlasting life, that we walk before him a truth. That's also seeking him. We seek to please him. We seek to walk before him in the midst of the world. Glorify his name. And that is seeking him diligently. And that seeking, those that thus seek him, God rewards, beloved. He rewards. He always rewards. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not because they seek him, you understand. The seeking is not our work, although the fruit of God's work is that we seek him. It's not our work. It's not our merit. God rewards his own work. He's in the water of them that diligently seek him because he's God. And even in the reward, he glorifies himself as God uh, that is rich in the blessings of salvation, uh, rich in everlasting life and glory. Enoch walked with God. He pleased God. He could do so by faith. Because by faith, he knew that God is. He could come to God as the God that is and the God of our salvation. He could come to God in the consciousness, in the knowledge, in the blessed assurance that God rewards them that diligently seek him. And he was not put to shame. He was translated. That was a great blessing, beloved. That's so plain in Genesis uh, that uh, this is so, because in Genesis we simply read that Enoch walked, walked with God and was not found, because God took him. That's all we read there. Enoch walked with God and he was not found because God took him. In itself, that might mean that he was not found because God took him away in death. But even in Genesis, if you compare uh, then you get the impression right away that that is not the meaning. Of all the other saints, of the patriarchs, that are mentioned in Genesis 5, 
You read every time, every time, beloved, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Refrain. Continued refrain. And he died, and he died, and he died until you come to, to Enoch, and then you read, he was not found because God took him. And here, in the words of my text, it's very plain uh, that he was not found because God translated him by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. It was not found because God had translated him. Uh, what a reward, beloved. What a reward. A reward that was undoubtedly in harmony with the very special place which Enoch occupied in the midst of a very especially ungodly world. In a very special measure in which Enoch pleased God and was rewarded. Uh, could you wish, could you wish, beloved, oh, it's impossible, but could you wish uh, that you would be translated? I could. I hate death. I hate death. Death as such. I don't like death. I'm afraid of death. Of death as death, I'm afraid. I think sometime of death, don't you? When you get older? No, I think sometime of it. 68, 69, 70. Death. I don't like death. And beloved, I don't like the grave. I think the grave is all. Corruption of this body, even of this body, even of this present body, to be cast into to the grave and become a victim of all kinds of germs and worms so that finally nothing is left of you. Death is hopeless. Oh, I know. Uh, don't let me make you pessimistic, beloved. I know that after this, 
present host of this tabernacle shall be dissolved. And we shall have a host with God, eternal in the heavens. I know that this old man must perish, that the new man may be completely delivered and enter into everlasting glory. I know and I believe uh, that with you I believe that that is so so that when death comes I am still in the majority because I believe God I'm not afraid by faith by faith I can look death in the face and say death where is thy sting grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. We're in the majority. We're unanimous. Even in regard to the power of death. But beloved, if I could avoid it, which I can, would it be beautiful? that we would not have to see death as we hear of Enoch, but be translated all of a sudden? Don't you think that was a singular and a very glorious reward? Enoch was not found. They looked for him. Oh, the enemies looked for him, of course. They looked for him. They want to kill him. But Enoch was not found because God had translated him. What a reward. Body and soul. One moment in the midst of death and in the midst of the enemy, in the midst of the world, the next second in glory, body and soul, because God had translated him, beloved. That is not for us. Only two we know that were thus translated. And I think we know two that this translation of Enoch is a type of the saints that shall be present at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And also those saints will be rewarded for the same reason that they stood as witnesses in the midst of an extremely ungodly world, beloved. Then... When it is almost impossible that the very elect should be saved, God will shorten the days and they shall be translated.
body and soul into everlasting glory. Not for us, but don't forget, we have the same faith as Enoch did, do we not? You believe, beloved? You believe? By faith, Enoch was translated. I don't quite understand that. I must confess, I can't quite understand that. But it was so. By faith, Enoch was translated does not mean that it was translated because of faith. It was not so that it was translated on condition of faith. It was not so that it was translated because of the works of faith. He was translated because, uh, beloved, by faith. I don't know how that works. Uh, but it is also by faith that we'll die. It is also by faith that through death we shall march through the deep valley of the shadow of death into everlasting life in glory by faith. Oh, yes, no question about that. Faith is a gift of God, and faith is a work of God in us, and the activity of faith, beloved, is such that we always cling to God, the God of our salvation, no matter what happens. Even when presently we pass through the valley of the shadow of death, by faith we shall cling to him that is the invisible one, the God of our salvation. And by that faith we shall be empowered to walk through that valley of the shadow of death and to walk in the house of many mansions. So, by faith, by the power of faith, Enoch was translated. By faith he pleased God. By faith he sought God diligently. By faith he found him. By faith he clung to the power of the God of his salvation. And through that power God quickened him and changed him in a moment, so they were translated into heavenly glory. Shall we, beloved, shall we say this? Shall we say it and not mention, mentioning Enoch, but shall we say it of ourselves? We walk with God, do we? Shall we say, walking with God in the midst of an ungodly world, we please God? It is our desire to please him. 
walking as of God's party in the midst of the world. I fight the good fight, as Enoch did, in principle. I crucify the flesh. I walk in a new and holy life. I witness in the midst of an ungodly world of the God of my salvation. Then, beloved, no matter how small that may be, but then we can also say this, God is my reward. He shall not translate me, perhaps. I hardly think that the time will come uh, before you are ready. The time of the end of the world and the coming of Christ, I don't think, comes before you are ready to be translated, but then you will pass through death into the house of many mansions. And then by faith, by faith, you will entrust your body in the grave to the God of your, of your salvation and you shall look forward to the glorious resurrection in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thanks, Lord, for thy word which might be preached unto us tonight. We pray, whatever was not in harmony with thy testimony, wilt thou forgive and make harmless. And let thy word dwell in us richly unto our salvation. For Jesus' sake, amen.